I want you to open your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13, and we'll begin with verse 14. We've been looking at this thing of complete victory for this year, and that we believe that this is a, a special release for God's people to walk in, in victory and, and to enjoy complete victory, but there's some things that we have to do about it. We have to make it happen. We have to be, uh, you know, we have dominion and authority here on the earth, and so it's up to us to advance the kingdom of God and to bring about complete victory. And I gave an introductory message around the first of the year about four essential things to do that uh, will, will ensure victory, and that's prayer and then uh, hope, faith, and praise. And hope and, and faith kind of alternate, you know, I mean, they just tie together like J.B. Weld, you know what that is, that, that epoxy glue, you know, it's kind of like a glue that goes together. You know, we, we exercise faith and then hope comes in and really seals it or, or we're believing and expecting something and we add our faith to it and so they just work hand in hand. And so we need to understand these things, we need to make it part of, of what, uh, of our every, everyday life. It ought to just be so natural. Last week we talked about prayer and how that uh, prayer works for us and, and how that we're to be about uh, using prayer in our everyday life, we're to have an attitude of prayer, praying without ceasing, that uh, everywhere we go we just begin to have an attitude of prayer before the throne room. Isn't it great that, that we can have that access, come boldly before the throne of grace and obtain mercy, find grace to help us in our time of need, and we can have that, and we need to be in an attitude of prayer at all times. How many of you have been seeing some differences past week maybe in your prayer life? Amen, amen, thanks for being honest, amen, but I encourage you to do that. This morning I'd like to look at another aspect, and it involves our faith, and you know, that's, every message probably that's preached, it, it, it involves these four elements in some degree, and, and faith is such an important and vital aspect of our Christian life and of having victory, but we want to look at some specifics, and I'd like to title this message, Don't Settle for Less. Don't settle for less. When we're engaged in spiritual opposition, spiritual warfare, Satan comes and he hits and hits, and it gets to be, you know, as, as Paul says there in Ephesians 6, we, don't, we battle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers in high places. And he tells us to put on the armor of God, and then he says, pray uh, in the Spirit on all occasions with, uh, you know, with this in mind, you know, always keep on praying. And, and so we're doing that, but, you know, we start to get a little weary in fact, Paul tells the Corinthians, he says, don't become weary in well-doing. But how many of you know it gets a little weary sometimes as you're, you're fighting that good fight of faith? And that's what Paul tells Timothy, fight the good fight of faith. Uh, so it's a good fight, but it's a fight. How <laughs> I many you know what I'm talking about? Exercising that faith, it's a fight. Exer uh, faith is a spiritual muscle like, um, you know, our physical muscles. And, and when you begin to exercise, sometimes, you know, you can overdo a muscle to where it's like it's exhausted. And you can't even hardly, maybe you can't raise your arm or whatever it is, it's just completely exhausted. Sometimes our faith gets that way. And we just exhaust our faith and we become weary. And what happens is we, be, we have to watch our attitude at that particular time because we are in a place where we would willing to settle for less. We'll negotiate at the table of the devil. Well, you know, we, uh, you know maybe he'll come with these offers and, and his thoughts, it comes through uh, vain imaginations, you know, in, into our mind. And, and so being in a weary state, we, we're liable to negotiate with him and, and settle for less. 
than what we had originally believed for or where we were going or whatever. And we said, well, you know, I guess I just can't have that. We can talk ourselves out of it. I guess it's not for me. I guess if the Lord wanted me to have it, he would have done something different. And, and we push it off on God and this and that. And, and we don't realize that maybe, you know, the angels are still working real hard on bringing about the answer or whatever. But we got to uh, hang in there. And so we got to be careful because uh, this... Uh, day and age that we're living in, too, just in these last days, it's the Laodicean uh, time frame that we're in, and, and that attitude of the Laodicean church is, uh, is, is so prevalent, and we have to shake ourselves off of that. That's that spirit of lukewarmness, you know, just apathy and complacency uh, can fill our hearts, and so it's a constant thing of really shaking ourselves loose from that to walk in victory. How many, does anybody know what I'm talking about today? You know, I don't know if anybody here goes through any problems like this or not. Maybe it's just me, but I don't know if you're, if you're going to get anything out of this or not. But, you know, sometimes we just, in this day and age that we're living in, full of lukewarmness and complacency and stuff, and, and then in engaging the enemy and fighting the good fight of faith, finally it's just kind of like, you know what? That sounds like a pretty good offer to me. Like a pretty good offer to me. It's like maybe being falsely accused of something and you're in court and you, you're innocent, but they wore you down and maybe bring fear against you that you'll settle, you'll, you'll take a case, you know, take a charge, you'll settle for it because you think, well, that's not as bad as this, but yet you didn't really have to settle for any of it. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And so the devil tries to come and, and make us settle for less. In 2 Kings chapter 13, verse 14, reading from the Amplified Bible, it says, now Elijah, or Elisha, previously had become ill of the illness of which he died, and Jehoash, king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, O my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen of it. Verse 15, and Elijah, Elisha said to him, take bow and arrows, and he took bow and arrows, and he said to the king of Israel, put your hand upon the bow, and he put his hand upon it. And Elisha put his hand of hands upon the king's hands. And he said, open the window to the east. And he opened it. Then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, uh, the Lord's arrow of victory, the, the arrow of victory over Syria. For you shall smite the Syrians in Ephlech and, uh, till you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows. And he took, the arrow, took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike on the ground. And he struck three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have, had, had struck, then you would have struck down Syria until you had destroyed it. But now you shall strike Syria down only three times. So what happened here was King Joash or Jehoash, it's mentioned different ways, uh, heard that Elisha was about to die, and Elisha was pretty old at this particular time, so it was really unusual for a king to go visit a prophet. Usually the prophet goes to visit the king, but Jehoash, you know, he really wasn't living for God, and he was allowing certain things in the kingdom, and, and I don't know, I guess he thought, you know, maybe I, I need to go down and get, get a blessing. I need to get the final blessing. So he goes down that particular way, and, and what he says to Elisha there in verse 14 where he says, um, um, he said, oh, my father, my father, the chariot of Israel and the horsemen of it. It was a quote. That's what Elisha said when Elijah was being caught up in a whirlwind. That's exactly the same words that Elisha said to Elijah 
And what it really is, that phrase means like, you know, my father. In other words, you're my leader. You're the one that's in charge. You're my protector. You are the defender. And then like the chariots of Israel, you're the, the, the defender of Israel. And you're going away. But Elijah, remember his mantle fell upon Elisha. And Elisha became that prophet and like the defender of Israel and had been there. But now King Jehoash is saying, wait a minute, you're leaving and you're not leaving anybody to, to take over, to, to help defend this. And so Elisha then tells him, well, go get the bow. And so this was a practice that they would do when a king or uh, a herald or a general, maybe if they needed to declare war on a particular uh, country, they would, fire, you know, they would shoot a bow, uh, shoot an arrow in that direction, and that was a symbol of war. And, and so all the people would rally around and say, okay, we're going to war. You know, this is a, the arrow of victory. It's going this particular way. And so Elisha instructs the king to go through this maneuver, and he wants to show him something. Uh, he, he wanted to show him that he wasn't, you know, all alone, that God was going to be with him. And uh, so he says that, uh, when, there in verse 16, it says, and he said to the king of Israel, put your hand upon the bow, and he put his hand upon it, and Elisha put his hands upon the king's hands. And so what that was doing was representing that power was being imparted as coming from the Lord. In other words, you're not alone in this thing. The Lord will give you strength. He will help direct you in, this, in your fight, in your defense of this nation. And so it said, uh, you know, that God would bless the king and that the Lord would be with him. Verse 17, it says, and he said, open the window to the east. And he opened it. And then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot. And he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria, for you shall smite the Syrians in, in Aphlech and or till you have destroyed them. And so again, that shooting that arrow eastward toward Syria. And Syria had invaded Israel, and they were there and not supposed to be there. And so it was time to go to war against them. And so, uh, you know, Elisha was giving him this last command. It's okay, go to war with them. And, and you're not alone. God will be with you, and God will give you victory here. And it should have been an encouragement to him. And so then he said, take some arrows and take the rest of the arrows. And he says, strike the ground. Now, the commentators on this, different theologians have some different views because of the word strike. They, uh, it, it does give the, emphasis, the, uh, the thought of shooting it down, striking the ground from, instead of shooting it out, you know, shooting down and striking the ground out of the window because they were in an elevated area. Or, you know, others say, no, he, you know, he just took them and, and struck the ground with it. So whatever he did, it doesn't make any difference. He knew what was going on. The problem was it wasn't in the, in the method. It was how many times he did it. And, and it says that he did it three times in... And the man of God, the prophet, Elisha, got mad at him. And it was because it was almost like uh, Joash, the king, was just kind of like, well, going through the thing to maybe to appease the old prophet that's about to die. Okay, well, take the rest of the arrows. One, two, three, that's good enough, you know. And uh, Elisha said, wait a minute. That was half-hearted. That wasn't enthusiastic. That wasn't with passion. That was lukewarmness. You, you don't have a passion for what's going on here. You, that was not, you know, wasn't energetic. It wasn't, you know, with the thought of like God's going to help me. What he should have done was, was strike the ground and continue to strike the ground until the Lord says stop. You do it until he says stop. So whether he was shooting them and just like keep shooting them down and striking the ground or hitting them, you do it until the Lord says stop. And then that will determine complete victory. So now you're just going to, you'll have victory over them three times, which you think, well, that's quite a bit, but it wasn't complete victory. See, God's calling us into complete victory this year. So here's the thing. Don't settle for less. You might go, well, hey, three victories ain't bad, right? Three victories, that's not bad. 
That's better than no victories. But yet, you know, we want complete victory. You know, God would he'd tell them to go out and fight, and he'd say, and annihilate the enemy. Don't leave any. You know, little Amalekites grow up to be big Amalekites. You know, and it, I mean, it's pretty cruel in our thinking, but in that particular age, it was a spiritual concept today that you don't tolerate anything from the devil. You know, you, you don't allow anything. You know, you annihilate him, and you do it quickly, and don't put up with him, and don't negotiate at his tables. He's a liar. He's the father of lies. I mean, when it, if his... If his lips are moving, he's lying. You know? So don't talk to him. And so Joash, the king, he just kind of went over and like, now what? You know, sometimes we just go through the motions. We'll come to church and we'll do this and we'll be, maybe the Lord will encourage us as he did last week to, to pray, to pray in the spirit, you know, on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, with this in mind, be alert and keep on praying. Okay, Lord, thank you for this day. Man, help me. I'm going to have a hard time. Off we go. Oh, Lord, thank you for the food today. And then maybe at the end of the day, well, Lord, uh, give us a good night's rest. See you in the morning. Well, that was three really weak battle victories. (laughs) You should have been praying and praying and praying and praying, had an attitude of prayer. As Paul told the Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. But, you know, sometimes we just give up. And the thing was that he didn't have enough faith, I guess, to see anything beyond that. And so there's a lack of faith there for complete victory, lack of enthusiasm. And, you know, the Greek word enthusiasm comes from the two Greek words, in theos. Theos is God and in is in. See, you learned some Greek today, in. Uh, So enthusiasm means God within us. The Spirit of God in us. And so when God's really in us, we begin to understand His will and have a passion for Him. And we search for Him with all of our heart and we seek to advance His kingdom. We do that passionately and not lukewarm. Remember what? There in the book of Revelation when He was talking to the, the Laodicean church. He said, you know what? Because you're, not, you're neither hot or cold. Laodicea lay in, a, in an area where they had the hot springs that could come up and they would funnel that through and, and uh, so they could enjoy the, the really hot water. They also had the cold water that would come down from the mountains, and so that was great. You know, so hot water is good for some things, cold water is good, but you know, lukewarm water is ah, kind of nasty. And so he was saying, you know, because you're lukewarm, you make me sick. I'll spew you out of my mouth. I want to vomit you out of my mouth. You make me sick. Lukewarmness makes the Lord sick, and we've got to be careful today because there's so much complacency and apathy, so much lukewarmness in our, you know, in this spiritual climate today that we have to work extra hard to really be enthusiastic for God and not settle for less, just barely get by. We just, well, we'll just barely get by, it doesn't matter. You know, that's better than nothing. In Romans chapter 12, verse 11, Paul says, never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. What is spiritual fervor? Say fervor. Can you say fervor? We don't use that. How many times a day do you use that word? Spiritual fervor, serving the Lord. Fervent, to be fervent. In fact, James says in James 5, it says, uh, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man, righteous woman, avails much. Fervent prayer, fervent. It means to uh, put forth power, you know. To, it's, it's to send forth power, to be operative. It means to work. Whoa, there's a four-letter word, work. 
you know, be fervent, be passionate about what you're doing. We need to be passionate about what we're doing for God. King Joash, he, he wasn't. He was just like, now what? I shot it out the window, hit it on, hit the rest of them on the ground. Anything else before you go? <laughs> it was just kind of going through the motions. People, we go through the motions. We can't afford spiritually uh, to, to just go through the motions. And so what is the significance of this, this little story to us today? I think the whole thing is, is to throw off lukewarmness and the lack of faith and zeal. The king was lacking in faith. He was lacking in his zeal for God. He wasn't fervent in spirit. So that means that, that his prayers weren't fervent. You know, his actions weren't fervent. He wasn't passionate about God. You know, if he tried to read the word, it was like boring to him and, uh, and it was a drudgery. And I don't know if you've ever been there, but, he, you know, it's okay. You don't have to say whether you have or not, but I have. But it seems like, you know, it's just kind of like, and you're trying to push all you can, just going through the motions, and it's a, it's a drudgery. It's, it is work, in a sense. It, it's a labor that is because it's like we don't really have our heart. We're not fervent for God. We're just doing it because we feel like we have to do that so we can go about doing the rest of our stuff. Hello. I, I know there's nobody in here that needs that today. I guess just me. You know, sometimes we just think, well, because we, we confuse religion and relationship. See, our relationship with God should be one that's passionate. And when that happens, we, we long to talk to him and, and to serve him and do things for him. But if it's just religion, well, it's like, oh, yeah. I got to get that. Okay, Lord, I got to pray first thing in the morning. The pastor said, pray. And so, okay, Lord, thank you for this day and, and help me in everything I need to do. And oh, that's right. I, let me write that down. I've, I've got to do that. And just help me get all this stuff done. And off we go. And then we're like, oh, yeah, I got to, oh, I got to pray. And then we feel bad that we're not doing what we ought to do. And because it becomes a routine, a religion is something we have to keep up with. Man, we ought to give the devil a fit trying to keep up with us. <laughs> You know, it's like, oh, those demons, what was that? <laughs> that was that crazy Christian. There they go, man. Can't even keep up with them. They have to do their reports. We couldn't catch them. <laughs> yeah. And then when we did, there were so many signs following them that we just got all tangled up. It'd be like a boat, you know, and, and the wake that flows behind, all signs following them that believe. The devil's all, devil ought to get just tangled up and just trying to catch us and, and get all wrapped up in the signs that are following us. Hello. Throw off lukewarmness and... And that lack of faith in zeal. Look at Romans chapter 3. Not Romans, I mean Revelation. The book of Revelation chapter 3. And this isn't the book of Revelations, by the way. I watched this program. It's entitled uh, how, the, how the World Ends. Is it on the History Channel, something like that? How the World Ends? And they're talking about different things. And they were talking about various religions and prophecies. And they said, you know, for Christians, the book of Revelations... It's only one revelation. It's the book of Revelation, the revelation of Jesus Christ. Amen. It is the revelation, okay? So you might want to get that down, but it's not a bunch of revelations about a different thing. It is the revelation. So in the revelation of Jesus, as he's speaking to the Laodicean church in chapter 3, verse 15, he says this, and the same thing that he said to the other churches. And by the way, these seven churches can represent our attitudes of Christians. And he says, I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot or cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Because I know your deeds. I see what you're doing. And you're, you're, 
You're just lukewarm here. You're not passionate about anything. You're just going through the motions. And verse 20 says, here I am. He said, here, hey, I'm over here. Did you forget me? You know, uh, you're just lukewarm and, and you're just kind of just case sera, sera. You're just kind of going through the motions. He said, here I am. I stand at the door and knock. He says, you know, I'm out. You haven't even let me in to be with you, to, to fellowship with you. I'm outside knocking. You know, let me in. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him or have fellowship is what that's meaning. Uh, symbolic of fellowship, and he with me. We need fellowship with the Lord. We need to talk it over with him and, and hear what he has to say. That might give us a little bit of passion. That might shake us uh, free from some lukewarmness. And verse 21, then he says, to him who overcomes. And isn't that what we're looking for is complete victory? We're looking for this overcoming life, and we've got to overcome lukewarmness and this willing to settle for less and Lack of faith, lack of zeal. And he says, to him who overcomes, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Wow. Is that worth it? I think so. I will give the right to sit with me on my throne. Just as I overcame and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I would say that that would be a word from God today, that if you have an ear, he, has, he who has an ear, let him hear. What the Spirit is saying to this church today, saying to the body of Christ today, God is standing ready for us to, to come to him, to approach him, to come before him with, uh, with the impossibilities of this life that we're going through. Not to get wore down and, and to be, become weary. God loves to make the impossible possible in the impossible times. That's what he does. He's a miracle-working God. And, you know, it, I guess we need to look at our relationship and see, do we have a supernatural relationship with God or a superficial relationship with Him? God wants to take normal people and do the supernormal through them. That's what we see all through His Word. He wants to take the normal people but yet do supernormal things through them. You know, one person said, most Christians are settling for potted meat when God wants us to have a, a sirloin steak, you know. And we're just negotiating. Well, yeah, at least don't starve to death. And we're just kind of eating just, you know, potted meat. Sandy likes that stuff. <laughs> Must be a Kansas thing or something. I don't know. But where are you today? Where are you uh, in, in this thing of lukewarmness? Where are you in your zeal for God? You know, can you find your position? Can you ask God to just open your eyes and your spirit realm and just kind of see where you are in this thing with him? How much lukewarmness are you allowing into your life today? And the whole thing is, is you got to wake up and shake yourself because if not, you're going to end up settling for less. And don't settle for less. The prophet of God became so angry at the king and um, he got angry at him for not desiring more, not desiring more victories. Oh, well, three victories is good enough. That's more than we had last year, so I guess that's great, you know. No, we want what God wants exceedingly, abundantly, above all that you're able to ask or think according to the power that is at work within you. The power that's at work within you is how much we allow the Spirit of God to control us and to, to fill us. And so here's some things that we need to do with our faith so we don't become weak in our faith and that uh, we can become fervent in our life of faith and our, in our prayer. And um, so the very first thing that you need to do with, with faith is our faith must be examined. 
So I challenge you today to examine your faith. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, the Apostle Paul says, examine yourself to see whether you are in faith, in the faith. Now, hey, check out, first of all, make sure you're saved, okay? Examine yourself, or do you know that you're a child of God, that you believe in him, that uh, Jesus died for you, and, and uh, he, was, he raised, raised from the, gra- the, the grave on the third day, and he's alive and seated at the right hand of the Father, and you can live with him. Are you in the faith as far as being saved? Examine yourself. And see, if you have question marks, then, hmm, maybe not. But then, if you are a child of God, examine yourself and see, you know, hey, how's your faith here? Are you exercising your faith? What are you doing? How's your faith? Because Paul says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, without faith, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. I like that. That he is what? He is. <laughs> what do you need him to be today? What do you need him to be right now? That he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently... Oh, there's... That word kind of sounds like some fervent, fervency in there, right? Who diligently seek him. Who diligently seek him. Not giving up, you know, that's going to press through, going to continue. It means hard work, diligent in seeking the Lord. Sometimes it's hard to seek the Lord. Satan doesn't want us seeking the Lord. He doesn't want us to get instruction. He'll do everything he can to hinder you from seeking the Lord. Hello. Is anybody getting anything from this? Have you ever had to just diligently seek him? I mean, work at it and seek him because we're fighting against our flesh. And we're fighting against uh, sin in our life. We're fighting against Satan and everything he's throwing against us. And so it's a fight. And that's why Paul says, fight the good fight of faith. Faith is a good fight. It's something that's worth fighting for. And so he says, be diligent. It means to be steady, to be earnest, uh, be energetic in your effort. It it means painstaking sometimes. Those who diligently seek him, painstakingly seek the Lord, he rewards them for that. So faith by its nature really uh, must be tested. So examine your faith, test your faith. The trial of your faith works patience or perseverance, and and it has to finish its course. Remember what he said there? 1 Peter 1, verse 6, Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. (laughs) Okay, Peter, what about some good news? (laughs) He says, uh, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, your faith, he says, may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed, when people see Jesus in you. You know, so he says, your faith is is tried, It's, it's proved, and when it's proved genuine, It results in praise and glory and honor to God. So, hey, examine your faith. How's your faith today? Are you fervent? Are you passionate? Uh, Are you diligent in seeking the Lord? Without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And so, the other thing, faith that overcomes must believe. He says, for he that comes to God must believe that He is. You've got to believe. Faith that overcomes 
that victorious faith is a faith that is connected, that, that believes. And believes what? Believes God. Believes what his word says, who he is, and, and what he stands for. To believe means to be uh, firmly persuaded. You know, not that you're going to be wishy-washy and doubt about it. It means, um, uh, you know, you believe in something. It's the, it says the unveiled reality. In other words, you know, that you see, you believe that that's it. That's the reality, you know. If you don't like this present reality, you know, well, uh, we need to be in the, in the Spirit so that we can see what, what the real reality is. Jesus said, hey, I'm, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. Truth, truth is that reality. It's the, it's the true reality that, that, that's existing in something. When you, see, when you see truth, you say, oh, that's the way it is. That's really the way it is. You know, that's undenied. That's really it right there. That's truth. Well, Jesus said, hey, I'm truth. I, I, I'm really, I, I'm the Messiah. You see me, you see God. You know, and so uh, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. We've got to believe in him. He that comes to God must believe that he is. Jesus said, I am Alpha and Omega. <laughs> the beginning and the ending, which is and was and is to come. I like the isness of God. Can you say that? Look at somebody say isness. God, God and his isness. And you know, I mean, wow, he is. You know, if God would have been from the, you know, from the ghetto, he wouldn't have said, I am that I am. He would have said, I is that I is. <laughs> Same thing, isn't it? I mean, really, that ought to be, he is. He is what he is. Moses will, God told Moses to go to, to Pharaoh, and he said, well, who should I tell sin? Say, I am sent you. Or, you know, the, the one who is sends you. I is. <laughs> I am. I, I was, and I am, and I am to come. Wow. Jesus said, I'm the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the ending uh, which is, I love that, which is, uh, which was, which is to come. He said, truth, that's what it is. He said, the manifested reality of who God is, that's who I am. And he is what he is, what we need him to be is. <laughs> what our is needs him to be, you know? Is he your provider? He is. You know, is he your healer? He is. Is he your shepherd? He is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's my healer. He is my righteousness. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He is. And he that cometh to God must believe that he is. And that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him for who he is. Oh, y'all ain't getting this today. <laughs> oh, y'all ain't getting this today. If you really got this, you, you'd be so excited. I mean, we ought to run out of here just so excited that he is. When you have a problem, he is. He solves it. He's all that we need. He's everything. He fills the whole universe. And the fullness of God, the, the, the isness of God fills us. <laughs> so you is. <laughs> oh, I love it. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the truth. 
I'm your reality. You don't like that reality? Step into me in Christ. In in the secret place of the Most High. That's the secret place right now is in Christ. And in Him, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Oh, no, that's, that's really not your reality. Yeah, those things are going on out here and all this stuff going on and whatever, maybe stock markets are going crazy and work situations and health situations. But wait a minute, that's not the real reality. I want to get into Christ. He is the truth. He is my reality. So in Christ, I can do all things through Christ that gives me strength. Man, I'm about to preach out here. (laughs) Y'all are making me work for it this morning, I'm telling you. I could get excited about the isness of God. I need to preach a message in just the isness of God. Maybe that's what I'm doing today. If we understand his isness, then we won't settle for less. Why would we settle for less when we have everything? exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we're able to ask or think according to the isness that's in us. (laughs) Praise God. (laughs) He said there in John 8, 32, then you will know the truth. Then you'll know the true reality. Then you'll know my isness. Then you will know the truth and the truth will... What? Set me free from what? The other stuff. When he is, and he's the truth, he is the reality, he is my present reality. I choose this reality, not that reality. That's really what the spirit life is all about. Walking in the spirit is deciding that I'm going to choose Christ. I'm going to choose his reality. What he says, who he says I am, what he says I can do, what he tells me I can, where I can go and what I can do in him. That's what I want to choose. Oh, well, where is it? Well, I haven't seen it yet because I'm walking. It is. It still is. I'm walking in it every day. I'm walking in is every day. I don't even know how to even say that. <laughs> you know, that, that, look up the word is. And it talks about it. It's a third person. It's in, and, you know, it's am and is and was and so wow that's cool what would we ever have to would, what else would we ever need nothing and he supplies all my needs according to his riches in, in glory that's who he is what was that song we were singing who you are or how'd that go yeah who you are that way I'll just change that who you is <laughs> who you is <laughs> Who you is. I love it. You know what? They used to laugh. They used to laugh at the old black preacher when he'd say, uh, who you is? And he was right. <laughs> he was absolutely right. Yeah. Amen? That's he had more revelation. We hadn't even got it yet. Hallelujah. When you wake up in the morning and say, Lord, who is you? <laughs> or who you is, not who is you, but who who you is? Who you is today. And when he tells you who he is today, then you'll know what you're going to walk in today. You'll know where you're going, what you're going to face today. Amen? Because who he is is who I need him to be for where I'm going today. He already knows. He's the Alpha. He's the Omega. Amen? He's the beginning. He's the end of my day, of my life, of whatever that you're going through. Welcome him into your situation so that you can step into his reality and not this. You don't like this world? You don't like what's going on? Then get out of it. Step into him. In Christ, I'm a new creation. 
Boy, when we get a revelation of that, we don't have to worry about what's going on down here because I'm seated in the, in the heavenlies. Hallelujah. You know, this, this old stuff down here, yeah, it's got to happen and everything, but you know what? I'm in Christ. I'm walking in isness. <laughs> Whatever I need at any time, he is. Okay, we're going to move on. Wow, because, you know, we could just go on forever on that. I mean, because he is the next thing we need to talk about. So our faith needs to be examined and see where are we. Do you believe that he is? If you really believe that he is, you won't worry about what the devil's trying to tell you or the fear he's trying to bring you or to get you to negotiate out of what he knows that you could probably have in God. Well, the second thing is our faith needs to be exposed. It needs to be examined. Then it really needs to be exposed. Jesus said in Luke 18, verse 8, he says, uh, when, or it says, when the Son of Man, he said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? What kind of faith? Will he find faith in you? If he looks at you right now, does he find faith in you? Your faith needs to be exposed. You know, there's all kinds of faith. There's great faith. There's ye of little faith. There's common faith. The Apostle Paul wrote to Titus and said that. You know, in common faith, and there's, you know, all kinds of levels of faith. Where are you? Our faith needs to be exposed. James chapter 2, verse 14. James says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if people claim to have faith but have no deeds? Can such faith save them or deliver them, help them, sustain them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. So you know what? God allows trials, tribulations, tests, and things to come our way to expose our faith so that we can see what kind of faith we have. Where are we in our faith? Are we wavering? There's wavering faith, and then there's unwavering faith. Remember what he said about Abraham in Romans 5? That uh, Abraham, without hope, in hope, believed, and what? He said he didn't waver in his faith. He believed. That's who we need to be and who we need to be like. I guess the thing that I said something a while ago about supernatural or superficial. How about if your faith is exposed, will it be supernatural or will it be superficial? I looked up the term where Jesus said little faith. When, their, when people's faith was exposed and he classified it as little faith. Uh, we won't take time to go through all those, but just in the book of Matthew, five examples Consider, when Jesus was teaching and it was concerning about worry, you know, he says, don't worry about what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, all that, you know, because, and he starts out, he says, you have little faith, don't worry about that stuff. God takes care of the spirit, he's going to take care of you, but they had little faith because they were worrying about all this over here in this, in this reality rather than getting back over into God's reality. Then, remember when the disciples got in the boat and Jesus fell asleep and they were, oh, we're going to die, and Jesus says, ah, you have little faith. And he rebuked the, the wind and the wave, and, and I mean, he rebuked them. And then when Peter got out of the boat and was walking on water, and Peter began to sink, Jesus said, you have little faith, Peter, and he reached out and picked him up. He said, you have, you have little faith. 
It was little faith that caused him to sink and that doubting. When he was teaching his disciples, he got a little frustrated with them. And he, he said, you know, you have little faith there in Matthew 16, 8. And, and then when they brought a demon-possessed boy to him and his dad was saying how he would, you know, the demon would throw him into the fire and different things like that and nobody could do anything about it, Jesus again said, you have little faith. So he termed that. Our faith is exposed in times like this. And what is it going to look like? Will it be little faith? Will it be wavering faith? Will it be, or will it be great faith? Will it be sustaining faith? Will it be unwavering faith? How's your faith today? How's your faith today? When it's exposed, don't, you know, that's why James says, hey, wait a minute, count it all joy when you fall into trials of many kinds. Really? Really? Count it all joy? Yeah, it'll expose your faith. You're going to know what you got, so you need to know what to work on. Get out of that reality, get back into God, into Jesus, into Christ, and into who he is, and then that's going to be different because that will build your faith. Well, um, our faith needs to be examined, it needs to be exposed, and it needs to be expanded because as we expose it, then we say, oh, wait, I need to go to another level with God. You know, he gives us a measure of faith. He's given everyone a measure of faith. That's how we're able to even get saved. Because it takes, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So he has to start us out with, it's like my mom used to make sourdough bread. And she'd always keep that little start. Y'all know what I'm talking about? What? Just Okies do that. No Texans make sourdough bread. Or sometimes she'd keep the little starter back. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Do they have any bakers in here? Okay, all right, I've got one person. Okay, you keep a little start of it back, don't you? So you add that in, right? And so, you know, so he gives us a measure of faith so that it, remember, he talks about a little leaven, leaven's a whole lump, that's kind of what it's doing there. But, and uh, so he gives us a measure of faith to start out with, and that's what, but we've got to build on it from there. You build on it from there. People would start out with a measure of faith, and they don't ever try to expand their faith at all. In 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2, the Apostle Paul says, we ought always to thank God for you, brothers, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more. He said, hey, you're expanding your faith. You've heard the term ever-increasing faith. We, our faith should expand. It ought to grow. It ought to increase every day, every second. Expand. Jesus, uh, there in Luke chapter 17, verse 5, the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. That was one of the things they asked. He'd been teaching this. Increase our faith. They recognize, wait a minute, our faith is exposed here. In fact, he'd been telling me, you got a little faith, a little faith. Okay, we got a little faith. Increase our faith, Lord. Increase our faith. Increase our faith. That ought to be our desire. Well, how do you go about doing that? Three things real quick, and this will preach a message, so if you want to take this and then you can expand it. Read the word, heed the word, and test the word. That's how you increase your faith. Did you get that? Read the word. Faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word. Read the word. That will increase your faith. And that's kind of, the word is like seed that you plant in a garden. I'm about to speak in tongues right here. I'm so excited about it. But you plant those seeds in a garden and it begins to grow. And so faith comes by hearing, hearing from the word. It's like the seeds of faith that go into us and it begins to grow. So, but then heed the word. Take notice of what the word is. You know, really meditate upon the word. Told Joshua that he'd be very successful if you meditate upon his word day and night. Don't let this word you know, depart from out, out of your mouth, but meditate upon it day and night. Then you're going to have good success is what you'll have in, in your life. So heed the word. 
fact, James says, be doers of the word, not just hearers only. Heed the word. Do it. Be a doer of the word, not just a hearer of it. You know, that's not going to increase your faith any. You can hear it. In fact, in that uh, passage of Scripture, James says, you know, it's like, you know, looking at myself in the mirror, and then I go away and I forget what I saw. If you don't look at yourself very often, you forget what that image is. If you just kind of hear the word, you know, they talk about when you learn something, the concept, you, um, somebody, some of you teachers help me out, you, you forget about what 90% of what you hear but if you write something down, you know, it increases your mem- remembering of that. If you uh, hear it, write it down, and do it. But if you actually do it, then you have a, a real good concept of what you had been told. So be a doer of the Word. Heed the Word in your life. Do it. Don't just, well, yeah, that's what I said. What was that scripture? I need, to get the, I need to go get that podcast and find out what that was. Yeah, well, that's good to Hear the word and read the word, but you got to heed the word. Do it. Be a doer of the word every day and then test the word. Test the word. Well, remember when God was telling him there in Malachi, he was talking about bring tithes into the offering there, and he says, test me in this. He says, uh, he says the Lord Almighty, he qualifies that. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there's not room enough to hold. Test me in this. Test my word in this. Prove my word. Put it into to practice in your life. Read it or hear it and heed it. You know, be mindful of it. Be a doer of it. Test it and see if, it'll not, if it doesn't work. Try his principles. That will increase your faith. So faith needs to be uh, examined. It needs to be exposed. It needs to be expanded. And it needs to be expressed. Because if you never express your faith, it doesn't do any good. Again, it's just like... Where James said, you know, faith without works or without action is dead. Uh, express means to convey a thought or a feeling, uh, either by words or by a gesture, by doing something. Now, I think faith is pretty cool because there in Mark eleven twenty three, Jesus said, hey, express your faith to this mountain. Say to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and it's going to go throw itself into the sea. Express your faith in word. You know, say to the mountain. Or indeed, do those things, and it has to happen. Let me read that to you. Uh, Mark 11, verse 22, on, on down through 24. First he starts out, he says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. You know, faith has to have an object, and the object of true faith and victorious faith is God. Remember, because he is. We got all that, right? He is. And so we're having faith in him and who he is. Have faith in God, Jesus answered. And then he says, I tell you the truth. I'm going to tell you the real reality, okay? Uh, If anyone says to this mountain, go throw yourself into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will happen, it will be done for him. Express your faith. If you believe and you don't doubt it, you say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, it's going to be done. Verse 24, therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have have received it, and it will be yours. So he follows right up with that prayer and believing and locking it together, expressing your faith in your situations, to circumstances, to obstacles in your life, and in our prayer as well. Express our faith through believing that what we ask for, he says that uh, we've already received it before we see it. He says, remember, he says, believe that you have received it, it will be yours. 
We have to believe that we have received it before it will be manifest. Y'all ain't getting this today. I know it's the time change, right? It's the time change. Expressing your faith through prayer and declaration releases God to work. Man, we need God working, don't we? We need his isness present in our life in every situation and circumstances. I challenge you today to put him to the test, in a sense. Now, we don't test God, but I mean, let him in. Let him, let him prove that thing. You know, let, let it be exposed to others around. We know it. We believe it. And so when you believe it and you express your faith, then, man, boom, then others see it. And it brings about the glory of God being released into our circumstances and into this new reality that is being prophesied or that we're walking into. Amen? Do you believe you can prophesy your, your, what you're going to walk into? I do. Amen. It needs to be, we need to discover what God's will is. That's why we got to pray in the Spirit with all kinds of prayers on all occasions. So then we, as we begin to understand what God wants us to do, then we can speak to our future, we can speak to our day, and we can speak and then we follow after that. Hallelujah. Faith works when you work your faith. Express your faith. Faith works when you work your faith. Hallelujah. You know, when you begin to do that, you enter into a new element of the glory of God. His glory, abundance, authority, power, wealth, character. That's the glory of God. His character being manifest. What character? Who he needs to be, who you need him to be right here. His abundance, you know, more than enough, exceedingly abundantly above all that we're able to ask or think. His authority, all authority in heaven and earth, Jesus has been given to me. He says, I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Man, the glory of God needs to be flowing out of us, people. This is the time that it needs to happen. We're going to walk in complete victory. We've got to do it, and signs follow them that believe. Hallelujah. You know, some expressions of you know, faith needs to be expressed. Just a couple that, that come to my mind. First of all, it really catches my attention when there was a faith that said that it amazed Jesus. Now, now, if faith amazes Jesus, that's what we ought to shoot for, right? Do you know where that is? Let me, let me share it with you. Look, look there in Luke chapter 7, verse 6 through 9. You'll remember this story. Jesus is going about his ways, and, and a, uh, a messenger comes to him and says, hey, the centurion's servant is sick. He's going to die. And they said, hey, you know what? He's a good man. His, the people around Jesus, he's a good man. He helped us build our synagogue and everything. He's a real good man. You ought to, you know, ought to help him out. And so Jesus, they're going that particular way. And as they come, well, another messenger comes to him and, and, uh, and it tells Jesus, begins to tell him what the centurion said, why the, the centurion didn't even feel worthy enough to come in present. And here in Luke chapter 7, verse 6, it says, uh, he was not far from the house. Jesus is on his way when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. You, you don't, don't put yourself out. You don't have to come over here. He says, for I do not deserve to have you under my roof. Verse 7, that, that is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but, but say the word. He's, he's telling Jesus, but say the word and my servant will be healed. 
For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I, I tell this one, go, and he goes. And I tell that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And one translation says he marveled at him. He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Great faith. Faith that amazed Jesus. I want to tell you something. Wouldn't it be cool? You know, Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. He's making intercession for us. When, uh, you know, God and, and when the Father and, and Jesus kind of go over the day, uh, and, and Jesus said, hey, I want to tell you something. Man, today, this you know, Gabe, he amazed me. His faith amazed me. I mean, when you're amazed at something, don't you want to talk about it? Yeah. Can you imagine? How would you like to have that report that the Lord is, is telling about you to the Father? Hallelujah. I want to tell you, we can do that. This was a centurion. And Jesus said, hey, such great faith I've not even found in Israel. Great faith. We can do that. And then remember the story about four, four of a kind beats a full house? I preached that sermon, four of a kind beats a full house. Remember when Jesus went to that house and everybody was crowding in, it was so full, nobody else could get in. And, and so these four friends, they had a, a, their friend was paralyzed. So they got his cot and they climbed up on top of the house and they tore a hole in the roof and they lowered their friend down and it, right at the feet of Jesus. And he's like, wow, that's pretty cool. And he says, hey, because of their faith, so seeing their faith, he says, because of their faith, you're healed. That's pretty good faith. And so here's the thing, people. We need to have faith for some of the people that are in our life that they can't even, they can't move in, in their faith. Maybe not physically paralyzed, but spiritually paralyzed. We need to have faith for people around us. Amen. Seeing their faith, Jesus said, hey, you're, in fact, he said, I think he said, your sins are forgiven you or something like that. Um, so that's great faith. And then the other one I think of, I think just three that comes to the top of my mind. The third one is that faith that presses in. Remember the woman that had the issue of blood and she'd sought out all the experts and spent all the money that she had and she heard that Jesus was going to be there. And in the King James it says, and she came through the press. And basically it's the crowd, but how they were so... And she come through and she had already told us, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And so her faith was such that she pressed on through and she struggled and she touched the hem of his garment. Immediately Jesus said, who touched me? Who, who touched my clothes? And they said, oh, you remember, you know the story. And Peter said, well, Lord, they're all, they're all, everybody's touching you. Their throngs rain. No, no, no. He said, I felt virtue lead me. Look that word up. The Greek word is dunamis, which is miraculous power. He said, I felt virtue. I felt mighty power, miraculous healing power to leave me. Her faith drew the dunamis, the miraculous power, out of the Lord Jesus because of her faith. People, I want to tell you something. You need to press through. Don't settle for less. You press through whatever the devil's put around with that type of faith that says, I need that wonder-working power, that mighty power of the Lord, and I need it now in my life. Amen. I'm not trusting in this person or that person or this or that or whatever. I need Jesus, and I need his isness right now. I need his mighty working power, his dunamis in my life right now. <sighs> Hallelujah. Where are you today? Don't settle for less. Maybe you just think, you know, look, I just want to just, if I can just get by. 
I used to hear those old testimonies in southeastern Oklahoma down there in the little churches in the mountains. And I heard, the, you know, one woman, she was, they kind of get up and they say, oh, I thank God that he picked me up out of the miry muck. He set my feet on the solid rock. You know, you've heard, y'all have been around those, you know, so that's, you know, starts it out like that. And, and uh, then it's like, if I can just, I just want, if I can just hear the gates click behind me and I get into heaven, and I'm sitting there as a little kid thinking, boy, that, that's pretty close. <laughs> that's pretty close. I don't know if I want to call it that close. Or, Woo! You know, can I get in the elevator? You know, and it's like, oh, and then it goes, <laughs> it won't make it. You know, I don't want to be that close. I, I don't want to just barely make it in. I want to, I want to blaze in, you know? Amen? You know, and if, where are we today? What are you believing for? Are you settling for less? Well, if you can just, you know, if I can just get by, if I can just get through this day, you know? And we, we accept this victim mentality, if you will, from the devil that's like, well, if I can just make it through the day, I just thank God. Well, praise God, but you're settling for way less. He don't want you just to barely make it through the day. He wants you to have victory making it through the day. Now, you might be wrung out, strung out, or whatever, you know, at the end of the day, but you made it through the day. Amen? Hallelujah. You know, that we're coming up out of, say, I'm coming up out of this thing. I'm coming up out of this trial. I don't know what you're facing today. I don't know what you're going through today, but it's going to take faith. And you don't need to settle for less. The Lord's telling you today, don't settle for less. Don't settle for less. You need to say, I'm coming up out of this thing. I'm coming out, and, and I'm coming out with something. You know, not nothing. I'm coming out with something. I'm coming out with something more. Say, I'm coming out with something more. Something greater. Something better. Something more profound, something more extraordinary, something more prolific. I'm coming out of this thing not just with nothing. I'm not settling for nothing. I'm coming out of this thing, and I'm coming out of it with something more than what I went through with. Something more definite in my life. I'm coming out of this thing more, uh, you know, more miraculous power working in me. Something more powerful than what I've ever had. Something that is mind-renewing. It is, man, and it just changes me. It's life-changing. I'm coming up out of this thing. That's what you need to say. When you feel like that you are hard-pressed, say, I'm coming up out of this thing. Jesus, when he come up out of the water, he saw the, the Holy Spirit, you know, leave him. We need to feel the same way that you're coming up out, and you're coming up anointed and appointed for whatever it is that's coming against you. Not just coming out by the skin of your teeth, but you're coming out of this thing with something more. Don't settle for less. Oh, if I can just make it through. If we can just make it through. Don't, just, don't settle for just making it through. So I'm coming through this thing victorious. Victorious in it. I'm not coming out on my knees. I'm coming out uh, shouting and uh, leaping and, 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 you know, like praising God. Like when the guy got healed, he didn't crawl out from Jesus and, oh, thank you for healing me. No, he went running and leaping and praising God. That's how we need to come out of this thing. Hallelujah. You ought to say, when I come out of this, I'm going to see God move heaven and earth for me. That's what we ought to say. Who are we? We are the righteous of God in Christ Jesus. We are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ. We don't have to settle for less. We don't, I don't want to even hear what the devil has to make, what offer he has to make. I've already got an offer. It's from heaven. Hallelujah. The gates of hell shall not prevail against me. Amen? Walls fall. Waters part. Giants fall whenever the people of God rise up and move out in faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Trials and tribulations come. But I want to tell you something. You're coming out of this thing, and you're coming out of it better 
than what you went into it. Come on, stand with me this morning. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Faith works when you work your faith. Don't have the Lord disappointed. Remember when he turned around to them in the boat? He'd been asleep. And he looked at him. He was frustrated with him. He says, oh, you have little faith. I mean, he was, man, I don't want to hear those words. He was frustrated because he knew that we were living way below our privileges. I'm going to tell you something today. You're living way below your privileges. Who are you? When you get up in the morning, you need to tell yourself who you are. The Bible says speaking to ourselves with psalms and hymns, spiritual songs, you know. Who does God say that I am? That's who you are. Who is he? And who is you? (laughs) You is somebody, amen? You are because you have him in you. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Father, in Jesus' name, Father, I ask that you would just just... Get this into our spirit. Burn it into our hearts. Father, let us be willing to fight and shake off lethargy and complacency and and lukewarmness. Father, help us not to settle for less. Whatever we need, let us look to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. Everything that we need You are. Help us to please you by coming to you, believing that you are. Hallelujah. 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 Without looking around, who's going to begin to walk in greater degrees of faith, a greater realm of faith? Just put up your hand if you say, "That's, that's me. By faith, you're putting your hand up. Saying, By faith, I'm going to walk in a, in a greater realm of faith. I'm not going to settle for less. If you're in that situation right now, the devil's just been, you've been fighting, you've been pushing, and maybe you've been even entertaining the thought of like, you know, well, if only, if only, if only. Throw that out. Get that out and say no. This is, this is what God wants. Pray His will. Pray in the Spirit. And under, let the Spirit, because the Spirit knows the will of God. And then pray with the understanding and declare it and hang on to it and don't settle for less. If you're here this morning, if you're examining your faith and you're not sure that you're a child of God, why don't you just raise your hand right now and say, Pastor, that's me. I'm not sure that I'm a child of God. I'm not sure that I'm saved today. I'm not sure that I'm going to spend eternity in heaven. If that's you, just put your hand up right where you are. Anybody here this morning? You're not sure? Well, if you're here today and you say, Pastor, pray for me because I need increase in my faith. I need my faith increased. Amen. I'm going to put my hand up on that. You know, I don't know if we could ever be maxed out. I'd like to see a maxed out Christian full of faith. My goodness. If the things that amazed Jesus, that type of faith. Wow. What could you do different if you walked in the realm of faith that God has designed for you? What would be different in your life? Get that in your sights. Get that as your vision and head for it. And don't settle for less. Say, I'm going to believe for those things. What is God speaking to you? 
hear him. That's why we need to communicate with him every day. When you get up, you begin to pray and listen and, and expect to hear from him. Expect for him to release into you what you need to be doing and what you should have, what you shouldn't have, and then do it. Probably some of the greatest words that were spoken was when Jesus was at the marriage there in Canaan of Galilee. And Mary, his mother, told him, he says, whatever he tells you to do, do it. <laughs> whatever he tells you to do, do it. It might sound crazy, but whatever he tells you to do, do it. That's what we need to hear today. Whatever he tells you to do, do it. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, help us to advance toward you. Father, that our faith would increase. We need to read the word. We need to heed the word. We need to prove the word. Lord, let us be about that. Every day, let us examine our faith and see if we be in the faith, if we're walking in faith. And Father, then let our faith be exposed so that we really understand where it is and what we need to do to change it so that it's expanded. And then, Father, in every situation that we express faith, not fear or doubt or worry or complaining. But Father, we begin to express faith in these things now. Father, we thank you for it. Thank you that you are releasing to us complete victory. Thanks be unto God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we're going to walk in it. Prayer warriors. Faith walkers. Hallelujah. Father, we give you praise for this in Jesus' name. Amen, amen, amen. Give somebody a handshake this morning. Hallelujah. Tell them you were glad to see them in church today. Hug their neck. God bless you. Thank you for coming today.